This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. Value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. With me now is Michael Power, strategist at Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. In a few weeks' time, he's going to be presenting a piece of his own writing called China, No Longer a Copycat Economy. Michael, you're going to be presenting this, as I said in my introduction, in a few weeks' time. Can you give us a few teasers now? What's it all about? What's prompted you to do this? Well, I think that the common narrative from the likes of Donald Trump is that China is cheating its way to the top by copying U.S. technology and selling it to the world at a quarter of the price, which is massive simplification of the reality and, in fact, a distortion of the reality. And what I want to suggest is that not only is that wrong, but also as a sort of almost a heady footnote, China's no longer a copycat, so it no longer needs to cheat its way to the top. It can sink its way to the top through its own genius. And by coincidence, as we record this interview, if you look at the telegraph.co.uk or the print edition today, there's a piece by Ambrose Evans Pritchard, which is headlined as follows. Wall Street dangerously exposed as China digs in for Trump showdown. And then a couple of paragraphs in, it says the following. Mr. Trump boasts that tariffs are working big time and that it's easy to win a trade war against predatory rivals running a structural surplus. It is a false lesson drawn from the 1930s before the advent of interlocking global supply chains. And that's the first point that I picked up from your presentation, which you kindly sent me, that Mr. Trump doesn't like global supply chains. No, indeed not, because essentially what it means is relocating production facilities out of the United States and into China. Of course, it's not in the first instance the Chinese who have done this, and it's not Chinese product that in the first instance is being sold into the United States. It's American product. I mean, take the classic example of how Apple sets up its own supply chain. It buys from a company, usually Foxconn in Shenzhen, an iPhone for $370. Its end price in the United States is $999. While I don't say that the $629 uplift is all profit, I would say close to $600 of it probably is. And the result is that this supply chain is immensely profitable for U.S. Inc. So in declaring trade wars against China, Donald Trump, whether he realizes or not, and I think he started to realize it in the last week, is actually declaring war against U.S. Inc. Mm, That's interesting. Mr. Trump, does he have the ability to break down these global supply chains or is he just blundering around at the moment and then people will remove papers from his desk so he doesn't sign certain uh, letters, which has been a feature of the last week on many media outlets? More seriously, can he do it? Because this looks like a prolonged spat that they're going to have. It's not just a flash in the pan. I I think that's probably right, and I think it's part and parcel of the realization at the grand level, probably grander than even Donald Trump, that in the next 10 years, China is likely to overhaul the United States in terms of economic size. And they have this strategy called Made in China 2025. Not not that we're hearing too much about it uh, from the Chinese at the moment, because they've chosen to go quiet on it. But essentially, they've identified 10 industries where they want to dominate the world by 2025. And I think that the fact it's dawning on the United States and and possibly on Donald Trump as well, that the end is nigh. 
Yes, and we didn't talk about the end is nigh. Let's talk about the market. You say that he risks crashing the Dow, the S&P, as the FANG stocks have driven performance and much of their profits are founded on supply chains rooted in China. Is it as serious as that? I mean, these FANG stocks have got their own problems in Europe at the moment, but could the China problem become the really big so-called elephant in the room? Well, not just China. The whole concept of supply chains is the elephant in the room. China just happens to be the biggest part of global supply chains at the moment. So um, it's guilty by association. And I think that, yes, it is a huge part of what makes America seemingly great, or at least what makes Wall Street seemingly great. And a huge amount of the profits have been driven by the rise of tech. As you know, the FANG stocks have been largely responsible for pretty much all of performance in the S&P 500 this year. And a number of them, Apple, Google, Amazon, they do have a huge portion of their industry, their, their supply chain exposed to China. So I think that it is a very worrying sign if Donald Trump decides to to take on U.S. Inc. He is inadvertently taking on Wall Street. Yes, indeed. One of your sentences really stood out for me as very telling. China now knows how to make pretty much all that U.S. Inc. has been contract assembling in China for its own account and a lot more besides. So what you're saying is that China has the potential to out-U.S. the U.S.? Absolutely. My favorite examples at the moment are the aforementioned iPhone X, and uh, most people in the West who don't actually think about this assume that it's the best phone in the world. Well, there's a, there's a company, there are two companies in London, and the Brits have no horses in this race, so they are wonderfully balanced in their perspective. Yeah. And they rank uh, who are the best smartphones in the world, and I'm afraid uh, the iPhone only comes in at number three for Stuff Magazine. Huawei comes in at number one. A, a company which has only been in existence for four years uh, comes in at number two. So the Chinese are really learning to do this for their own account. They don't just have to make it for others. And that's in the micro example of smartphones. But you can look across everything pretty much that's industrial at the moment. And and while they're not, for instance, in aircraft at the lead yet, uh, when it comes to electric cars, they probably are. Um, I'm extraordinarily worried about Tesla and was even worried before Mr. Musk got you know, high last week, Hmm. I think that Tesla's in trouble, simply because I think the Chinese are going to eat its lunch. They're producing, by 2020, 62% of the world's lithium-ion batteries. Half the electric cars in the world each year that are sold are sold in China. They are really going to use their domestic base to leverage up their global position and take on the world. And so uh, they are learning to do things for themselves. You know, there was a time when air conditioners were made by carrier. No, they're made by hire and other players at the moment. You know, these are, are now happening. And this is just at the consumer electronics level. You can go into much more sophisticated industrial areas. Uh, and the Chinese are really pretty much close to the cutting edge in most of them. So what you're saying is that China has managed to shake off the negative made-in-China motif and actually be taken seriously, whether it be cell phones with Huawei and aeroplanes, because aeroplanes will be next. There's so many things that they can do, apparently, as well as everyone else. 
Well, interestingly, the company called Comac, which will launch their answer to both the Airbus and, I suppose, um, you know, the Dreamliner, uh, will do so in 2022-2023. Yes, it's borrowed some of the technology from Bombardier of Canada, which I see now is more associated with Airbus itself. But nevertheless, yeah, there's hard times are coming for the likes of Boeing and indeed probably Airbus when the Chinese have also got a big player in this game. We've seen what they've done in the world of solar panels. We're seeing what they're doing in the world of wind turbines. We're seeing what they've done in the world of locomotives for trains. The Chinese are, are moving in and slowly but surely taking over. Well, actually not so slowly, quite quickly but surely taking over. I remember when Naspers, proudly South African company, first made its successful foray into China. Of course, Becker, the then CEO, would say to me, I can't find decent engineers in South Africa. I can't find decent engineers or any other professional that I need in the West because the Chinese are so good and they work so hard and they work 14 hours a day, six days a week, instead of 10 hours a day, five days a week, sometimes four and a half days a week. It seems like that this momentum cannot be stopped at the moment. I agree, but it's not just about the sheer number of hours and how hard they work. They're coming up with brilliant new ideas, whether it's in areas like quantum cryptography, and I'm not going to go into that, or in one of the most interesting areas, which they completely revolutionized, is in the transmission over long distances of electricity with minimal amounts of wastage. This is transformative, and this is essentially Chinese ingenuity. It's not just about sweat. Brain power is now being brought to bear on coming up with products. And I think this is something which, as I say, uh, means that China is no longer a copycat. Once you do present this piece, uh, people are going to inevitably say, so what do we do about it? What's the investment case? This is a $64,000 or Remnimbi question. What do we do? Look, I think we're in a, an age of change that sounds trite, but we profoundly are, both technologically and geographically. And I'm always minded of the advice that Warren Buffett gives when you're faced with big change in an industry. He says it's not, as an investor, about picking winners but avoiding losers. And uh, take, for example, two big losers in the last decade that we all thought as being industrial giants, Siemens and GE. Both of them have been sideswiped, mainly because they did not see the renewable energy revolution coming and they were too geared to the old order. So my principal advice to investors at the moment is don't buy horses when the car arrives. You're looking backwards um, and you're on the wrong side of history. Michael Power, thank you very much for your time. Michael Power is a strategist and Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.